This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What's going on, Diesel Nation? We're glad you guys could be with us today on the number one diesel truck podcast on iTunes. Today's episode is something we had a lot of fun chatting about this and just thinking about the the topic and it's going to affect everybody so while we're talking about business and how to maximize productivity and how to go from being a technician to an owner it also applies to you truck owners out there because when you're looking for a shop you're going to want to look for a shop that has the efficiency and all the things in place so when you take your truck there you get it in you get it fixed right back on the road you don't have to worry about it so this is continuing a series that we've done where we've talked about, you know, are you thinking of starting a diesel shop or an automotive shop? And, you know, what do you do immediately after it? But this is for the the owners out there that are a couple years into it that are in this position where they've been successful and now they have to continue to grow. And that can be kind of uncharted territory in a way is, is how do you go from what you've done, you know, most of your life, which is working on trucks, getting them running, doing builds, things like that, to now managing an office and people on the phones and salespeople and things like that. So we're going to be chatting with Chris from Pressurized Performance and Off-Road. He's going to share with us some tips and some things he learned along the way doing just that. Before we get to it, we want to encourage you guys to head on over to alligatorperformance.com. This summer, almost here, there's going to be a ton of upgrades and, and things you're going to want to do to your truck before you go on vacation and go camping and fishing and all those sorts of things. Use Podcast 5 at checkout. You get 5% off your order. If you have any questions, let those guys know. They're all truck guys and enthusiasts and been doing this a really long time and are there to help you. And also PPI. And whether you're looking for EFI Live or EasyLink, um, HP tuners for the L5P stuff, those guys have a ton of tuning options for the daily drivers, trucks that are towing, or if you have a you know, street truck, something like that, and you want to bring the hard parts together, make sure you go to ppi.com. And if you have one of their products and leave a product review, they also give you an in-store credit as well. So make sure and take advantage of that. All right, let's get to the podcast with Chris and talking about how to keep your shop in business. Chris, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today about... Um, almost like a continuation of a series we've had, which has been, we've had a lot of listeners reach out to us and say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm really thinking about getting into the diesel industry. I want to start my own shop. I want to start my own business. And we were talking about some things that are really crucial past that point, you know, as far as making the venture successful and, and being happy and hiring employees and creating a, you know, a strong business and a profit plan so you can stay in business. So we're excited to chat with you about that today. Definitely. Hey, Patrick, I'm, I'm glad you had me on. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, coming into business, we all obviously, um, most of us started out as technicians and we, you know, we saw an outlet to go and sometimes we, we know how to fix trucks. We know how to uh, diagnose things properly, but we don't know how to run a business. Um, not in the beginning, you know, and there's a lot of things that um, I think are, are left out. And I think there's things that some people, shop owners, don't want to discuss you know, I in fear or pride or whatever may be the reason. Now, as far as your background, how did you start and how did you grow your business to where it is today? Um, so, you know, when I when I graduated high school, I bought a, a 99.73. Um, first truck, first diesel truck I ever had. 
Um, always kind of been a gearhead, enjoyed, you know, whatever. I grew up with my dad with early Broncos, things like that. And um, not long after I bought the truck, uh, an injector went out. And I had talked to a local shop about, you know, replacing the injector for me. And I, you know, obviously at 18, 19, you kind of want to save as much money as possible. And um, I said, I think I can do this. And so I, uh, uh, I swapped it out and put another one in it and went down the road. And about a year later, uh, I was on Comp D, and I came across a white single cab 9812 valve um, that a guy had built, uh, Mike Shannon, out of a little outside of Weatherford. And um, I went and bought it, and it just, I mean, it just lit a fire for me. I, uh, I actually bought that one then, and, I mean, we, we street race that thing every weekend. You know, in fact, that was back in 2007. And so then it was at 12 out, five, I think it would be like 515 or something. So it, you know, back then that was a pretty good number, you know, and, and being a single cab short bed, it was, it was a lot of fun. And um, I obviously broke a lot of things. So I had to learn how to fix it because around we're in, in Texarkana, Texas. And so nobody around here knew anything about diesel performance or, or anything like that. And, um, and then not long after that, I, I bought another single cab off of a guy and, and kind of put some parts together and made another truck. And uh, word got out that we were, you know, everybody saw a street racing them and having fun with them. And um, guys would come up and they just say, hey, look, my dad's got a, you know, my dad's got a power stroke he needs help on or he's got a, you know, a 12 valve or 24 valve he needs some help on. Would you be interested? And obviously I wanted to buy truck parts. And so I was like, yeah, you know, let's do it. And so I started out of my garage. Um, I guess I started working on stuff probably 08, well, probably 08, 09. And um, at the time I was working for a local army depot. where We uh, we rebuilt a lot of like the 8B Detroits and 903 coming, stuff like that. And um, I worked there until 2013. And I, uh, March of 13, I got laid off and, my wife was an RN at the time, and her and I did a lot of a lot of praying and, and uh, talking about what we were going to do around here from that point. And we uh, we took out a loan, uh, we took out a ten thousand dollar line of credit, and then I had that same ninety nine F two fifty, which I I still daily drive every day now. Um, I don't know why or how, but my banker gave me a ten thousand dollar loan on it at that time in thirteen, and. Um, so we had about $20,000 to play with, and we bought some equipment. We bought some tools. We, we paid about two months of rent, I guess, on the building that we were in then and um, just started from there. You know, at that time, I'd work on anything and everything that somebody would bring in the door. Um, but, again, I had, no, I had no shop experience at the time. Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of guys, but, again, a lot of guys don't want to. You know, they don't want to. They're scared of, of you taking ideas and making money off of it or, maybe things they've found that work that, you know, a lot of times they don't want to give those up, but uh, basically started in our garage. I mean, it's just a started in the garage and it went from there. Now we're in a, I think our building now is about 10,000 square foot, nine bays and all that kind of fun stuff. I think that's where a lot of, a lot of people start. It, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a passion with a truck or, you know, racing it or, or something with it. And then it grows and then somehow, you know, just being out there and having fun with it, you get a name for yourself. And then it, you know, sometimes from some of the shop owners we've talked to, it's just, they decide, Hey, I want to do this for a career or there's something that happens in their day job or their other career that forces the change. And when we were talking about, you know, this kind of topic is I thought, you know, it's so true is it's almost like the success can happen, 
But then there's this whole arena of things that nobody tells you and it can make or break your business, whether it's profit margin on parts, whether it's labor rate, um, managing people in the shop. Um, if you start to sell them, you know, to people outside of your area, then a, a sales force, people who answer the phones and you have a lot of insights. I know our listeners are, are going to enjoy and, and find some value in. And I wanted to ask you about some of those lessons that you learned, you know, where you're at now and, and things you've had to confront and figure out and decide, Hey, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work uh, on the business side of it? Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, uh, I think a big part is, is as technicians, I think we go into business thinking, I need to be a technician. Um, I know I did anyways. I know a lot of other shop owners who did the same thing. And in the beginning, we have to. I mean, there's just no way around it. you got to work on trucks. you got to, you know, um, you juggle the balance of, you know, making sure you don't forget to call everybody back, making sure you, you remember to order parts, you remember, you know, to get all the deposits in the account, don't forget to pay sales tax. You know, when you start adding employees, learning about 941s, um, you know, I know a lot of shop owners that, that try to 1099 technicians and, and a lot of guys don't know that that's, that you can't, you know, you can't 1099 a technician and, and in, in Texas and Arkansas anyways, there may be some states that that's, you know, you just have to talk to your, your, uh, tax professional on that, but there's just a lot of things that nobody tells you about. Um, you know, there's taxes are, are can very, can very quickly you know, uh, a business can succumb to taxes quicker than they, they get, you know, plan, and then it just kind of punches you in the face, and then you learn about it. Um, but I think, like you said, um, knowing how to do the proper hourly rate um, for your shop. I see, I see so many shops that are still in the 75 to $85 range, um, and there, really there's no reason for that. You know, we, we need to be more than that. The industry needs to have the pride in ourselves and the value in ourselves to be more expensive than $80, $90 an hour, wherever in that, in that ballpark. Um, the cost of trucks continues to go up, but the cost of repairs are staying in the same place. And we can't allow the public to dictate the value of our industry. And I, and I feel very strongly about that because I, you know, it, it, for shop owners that are struggling with cash flow, you're struggling with core count, you're struggling with, um, you know, keeping the bills paid, whatever you do feel like when a customer comes in and you say, hey, look, here, here's your invoice, it's $2,500, you got, you know, here's your, you know, whatever was repaired, and, and I'm sure, I mean, everybody's dealt with it, oh, man, really, I mean, do you really think it's worth that much, oh, is it really, you know, and, and we feel bad, and we become the emotional discounting stage where we're like, oh, well, no, maybe I am too high. Maybe maybe I'm too high on what I'm charging this guy. And by the time he leaves, you charge him $1,600, you know, or you charge him $1,800. And everybody's guilty of it, um, or a friend or family, which are generally the two worst to do work for. Um, you know, I mean, it's you see that your friends, well, man, help me out. I'll help you out. Or families, you know, look, you know, family, give me a discount. And, you know, the problem with that is, is, you know, we give, the only discount we give here is a military and um, civil service discount. So we do a discount for, you know, firefighters, police officers, EMS, and active and, and past military service. Um, and I feel like on the, the grand scheme of things, we really don't need to give much more than that because your technicians, they don't work for a discount. 
Um, your parts wholesalers, they don't sell you parts at a discount. Uh, not not enough to justify every you know every invoice. Um, but also, you know, your bills at home, your truck payment, your house note, um, your your daughter's dance class, your son's t-ball practice, they don't discount that to you. Um, and so we've got to stop emotionally discounting our invoices to people because they don't want to pay for it. Because when we emotionally discount to them, that leaves more money for their family, but we're cutting our family out of it to try and please this person. And if you have customers that are constantly asking you for discounts, you're targeting the wrong crowd. Um, you're targeting the wrong people. You need to find the crowd that, you know, is going to come in. They trust you because you have a confidence in your work. They know you're going to stand behind it. They know you're going to take care of them. And they know when you they call you for a warranty, they're going to be top of the list. Um, and I think that's very important. Um, you know, I, there, there's several formulas you can use to come up with what your hourly rate needs to be. But in today's time, really most shops I feel like in the diesel industry need to be over $100 an hour. Um, rent is going up on more and more facilities nationwide. You know, real estate's getting more expensive. Um, you're getting trucks that are knocking $100,000 to buy now. So in several years, I mean, even trucks that are out of warranty now, you know, uh, uh, 10 to 13, you're going to be coming up on the 14 and 15 models soon are going to be over that, you know, your factory warranty. Those trucks were sixty to eighty thousand dollars anywhere in that ballpark. I, I, I'd assume new. Um, so the cost of repairs needs to match the value of the truck. Um, you know, we're not working on Grandpa's twelve valve where we can go out here and get an injector for eighty nine ninety nine. We can throw it in in an hour and a half and get him back on the road. You know, these systems are complicated. The diagnostic equipment. Um, you know, that's a whole other section we could go down as far as appropriately charging for testing, for diagnosis. Um, you know, a technician might have eight hours in an electrical gremlin when you find a, a pin that is occasionally moving or whatever. And I've seen guys and talked to guys that are like, I just don't know what to charge for that. And I've been in that place. Um, but you've got to be realistic. You know, the customer's got to pay for your time, you know. Um, you didn't buy his truck, you didn't build his truck, and you didn't break his truck. And so it's, you know, you've, he's got to pay for what's in it. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things. Like I said, um, hourly rate, I think you're going to start seeing more and more guys are going to move into 110 to 130 range, depending on demographic, where they're at, things like that. Uh, some of your bigger shops that are, you know, your big name companies in, in the in the country, and I don't, I don't want to say any, any names, but there's just a lot of them that all they do is performance. Those guys need to charge 140 to 150 an hour because the consumer is not going to care at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I mean, it's if they're going to drive, if they're going to take their truck 8, 10, 12 hours to have it worked on, I promise you another five, six, seven dollars $700 in invoice is not going to break that sale. I think what's so important about this is there, there's – Probably, you know, I'm thinking of two different kind of listeners on this. One is the the shop owner who is just getting into this. You know, they've been in business a few months, maybe a year, and they don't know yet how to market. Yeah. And the the one thing I think every consumer, no matter what industry, what we know to what drives it is price. And we say, okay, well, I might not have you know, the money to do this local marketing or do these other things. But I know when people call, I can give them the lowest price. Yeah. And yeah. 
The other is, hey, I don't want to change because I've got it price low and the phone keeps ringing. You know, guys keep yeah. walking into the, the front door. But there's there, there's a, a flip side to that that I think we've we've both seen rear its ugly head and in some ways put companies out of business is what kind of customer, what kind of profit are, are you getting on each job? And exactly. if, you're, if you're able to get more, that means you're going to need more people. You're going to need more employees. You're going to need more tools. You're going to need more space. You're going to need more things. So you're going to have more overhead in a sense. Mm-hmm. You have more work but you're not making any more money because you're still kind of pricing yourself into kind of a, a stalemate. And, and that's what can happen. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Um, you know, so last year we were doing, you know, we had our sales and I had uh, three technicians in the shop. I had a service advisor and then myself. And I, it's the first of this year from uh, one to one technician left in, um, uh, October, September, October, and then the other one left the uh, first day of the year this year. And, you know, so we lost two technicians and I was down to one. I've, I've got a, I mean, it's just an absolutely fantastic technician here that's been with me for about five years. He came in bare bones knowledge on these trucks. And now, I mean, he, it is unreal what he can absorb, but I, our numbers didn't change that much from three technicians to one. And then I, I was kind of like one and a quarter, I guess, you know, he was a full and I was a quarter because I was, you know, between the office running and getting them things, doing things out there with him to help him and whatnot. But um, so recently I added about a month and a half ago, um, I added a senior master tech from the Ford dealership here. And um, so with those two technicians, we're doing more than what I was doing with three technicians last year. And these guys are, are I mean, they're closing hours out like crazy. Um, I think that, I think we go back to the part of getting caught with marketing our business. Our goal needs to be to find out what your target market is, find out who you want to do work for. Um, you're probably not going to start out doing thousand horsepower builds every day. It's just not going to happen. At the same time, there's not cash flow in doing full builds. Um, I think any big shop owner will agree with that, that, uh, you're not going to cash flow a business on building full, you know, doing full builds. It's just, you're not going to do it. Um, you need parts that are in every day. You need trucks that are out every day. And so I think that a lot of shop owners, you know, you need to get a plan um, when you're going into this, you know, find, what are you good at? What do you want to do? Um, and then when you start hiring people, hire for hire people that can do things better than you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a huge thing that says a lot about a business owner that can give, put his pride to the side and say, I hired you because you're better than me. Um, that's when we start to make money. There's a lot of guys that, you know, are fantastic technicians. I mean, just absolutely unreal. They'll stay with you for years and years. They'll do a great job. Um, you know, and I think when those guys come in, you need, you need to compliment them with training, you know, to keep them up to date with training. And, and keep, you know, keep them evolving. Always keep your technicians evolving and doing better and better. Um, the other thing is when you price yourself to be cheap just to get the work in the door, like you were saying, the phone's ringing off the hook. When you're the cheapest in town, you're going you're gonna to bring in the cheapest customers in town. Um, you're going to bring the ones in that aren't going to want to pay you a dollar more than what they can pay for it on Amazon. Um, what they can get it for on eBay, 
Um, they're, and they're going to expect you to sell the same part. They're going to expect you to, you know, if the book calls for 10 hours, but their, you know, their uncle had it done over at Billy Bob's Lube Shop, and that guy had it done in four and a half hours. Well, you're, I'm not paying you more than four and a half hours. I don't care what the book calls for. And I, I had guys, you know, every once in a while you'll still get a guy that comes in and kind of act like that. But you just tell them, look, I'm sorry, but we're just not – maybe we're just not fit to do business with you, you know. Um, but I also think that comes in building value in ourselves, building value in our customers, building value in our, our team members. Um, if you value what you do, you're going to have confidence in what you're selling. Um, you're not going to feel as intimidated. You're not going to feel as, as um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you're not going to feel as, as intimidated to, to emotionally discount, to deal with these guys. Hey, I'm going to order my own parts and bring them to you. Well, the first time that injector he bought off of Amazon goes out, he's going to want you to warranty it for free. You can't do that. I mean, you can't. You can't do the labor for free. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, my, my advice would, starting out, find out what your target market is. Um, don't plan on making a business just on high horsepower builds. I see, because I've seen a lot of guys, you know, you get on Facebook and you see a lot of guys that do that. Um, we had done a couple big ones, the, I guess the first couple of years we were in business. And they're tough. I mean, sometimes they're rough to you know, cash flow, wait on parts to get in, things like that. So, um, you know, our big thing, I think, in this industry is your maintenance, your repairs, things like that, I think, unless you're specialized, you know. Um, a lot of shops can specialize in tuning or transmissions or turbos, things like that, and that can be the cash flow of their business and then supplement with, you know, builds and things like that. It's it's one of those, I think, sides of even, you know, like podcasts and shops and, manufacturers and events and all those things one thing you know that I think we would all agree on if we all sat down is that the performance side is it's the glamour it's the glitz it's what looks good you know seeing on social media or in magazines but it's a very small sliver of what businesses are built on and what people need what truck owners need and that's the the maintenance side of it and when we get a uh, an email or a message on social media from a, a new business owner and they might ask us questions I think they've heard some of our other episodes and and guys like yourself who reach out and say hey I you know I really want to talk about this I keep seeing this in this industry that I've chosen you know to have a career in and, and provide for my family is you know it's someone told me a long time ago it's easier to get one dollar from 100 people than a hundred dollars from one person and what will happen in practicality is that cash flow, which you mentioned, and those big builds is you might have these big gaps in cash flow. And while you're in that gap, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of, you know, how am I going to, you know, make payroll? How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to get this and that kind of stuff? And I think, you know, if, if we step back for a second is, you know, why is this, this episode important? Why, why are we talking about it? Well, I think it's because there's a lot of value, incredible amount of value outside of the dealership network. Oh, yeah. To, and especially for the maintenance and the repairs and, of course, the performance side. But we need to see it grow and be profitable and be smart and be targeted and how, how it proceeds. And, and this is a topic not many want to talk about. 
Yeah, and, no, it's not. It's not. And that's why I was so excited when when you're like, hey, I have these ideas. I think this would really be great for people to hear, because it needs to be talked about. Otherwise, you know, worst case scenario is all the work's going to be done at the dealer, and exactly. there is no aftermarket, there is no performance, and no one really wants to get into it. Because why do you want to jump, you know, from a career where it's nice and comfortable and there's that paycheck every two weeks to I've got to be priced the lowest in town, have stress, not know if I'm going to be able to, you know, hire people, keep them. That's not a way to build something for the long term. No, no. And I, I think that so many people, I think, I think going into business, um, you need to have a clear set of goals in front of you. You need to have them, for me anyways, written down and you give yourself a timeline to accomplish those goals. Um, you know, and, and, and as far as marketing starting out in business, the number one marketing I feel like that that ever will be and ever has been is your grassroots marketing. You know, going to your local festivals, going to, you know, get you a pop-up tent, spend you a little bit of money, $1,000 or whatever, for $1,500 for a nice pop-up canopy. Get your logo in it, get your name in it. Um, you know, we've got a deal that it's got the backdrop, and then we've got a full table wrap kind of thing. Um, and we actually did a deal. My, my daughter's school, they were doing a fundraiser last Friday we went to. Um, get out and meet people, you know, um, shake hands, you know, as much as a lot of us don't clean up, you know, put some clean clothes on, don't, don't go covered in diesel and transmission fluid, look professional, um, and just meet people. I mean, that's the biggest thing because uh, at the end of the day, marketing is all about um, getting people to remember who we are, what we do. You know, it's like uh, you see McDonald's ads all down the interstate. Every, I don't, everywhere you go, you're going to see, you know, if there's a McDonald's within 60 miles, there's, you know, 110 signs between there and the McDonald's. But it's just repetition. It's it's seeing it over and over. If these people see you at school functions, you know, they see you at, at city functions, things like that, helping the community. You know, if you've got some, they've got some uh, cleanups on Saturdays, you know, clean up the highway or, um, you know, charity baseball games, softball games, things like that. I mean, that's all stuff you can be a part of for little to no money, and you'd be surprised at how many people are at those events that they, they may not be your customer, but their husband might, or their, you know, their uncle, or their wife, or their cousin. Um, you know, they're sitting at dinner, and he says, man, I just got this new diesel truck. I want to get, you know, an intake or an exhaust, or, man, I, I, the, the fuel system just went out on my Duramax. Who, I don't even know who to take this thing to. And they're sitting at dinner, and, and, you know, the uncle says, well, man, this guy's been showing up at a lot of events lately for, you know, little Johnny at, at uh, baseball and all that kind of stuff. You need to give him a shout. This is – I can't tell you how much business we've done just from that. Um, we've been – July will be six years for us that we've been, we've been open. And I did, a, I did a billboard campaign one time for, like, three and a half, four months, and I was watching the numbers, and it, and it really didn't change, especially for what the billboards cost. Um, 99% of our advertising has been word of mouth, getting out in the community, and social media. Um, you know, just keeping people aware, you know, look, we do AC repair, we do, um, you know, tuning, we do brakes, we do transmission replacements, things like that, and that comes to mind, and people see that over and over. So don't go into business thinking you've got to spend a lot of money to advertise because it's you know, and I promise they're going to be knocking down the door when they see a new Google listing, whether it's your local TV station or your newspaper or your local billboard company or whatever. It's going to be, you know, they'll call you as much as your Google listings or, or in jeopardy calls and your 
home warranty things, you'll get calls all the time kind of deal. So, you know, it's, they're going to flock to you, but just stay, stay what you're doing. Don't waste money on things that, that don't work. Um, you know, and again, find a way to target to the market. Go to the events that the market you want to deal with is going to be at. That's, I think that's really good, good advice. And I was thinking back to a lot of guests that we've had on where they've, they've gone through this journey where yeah, they started like you did and they've built this successful business and what they do and they continue on that and they say exactly what you did you know f- focus on who your customer is get involved in the community and for that area that city or that that region that's so important and then we have some other guests who they wanted to get more into the specialty side and we see you know they they stop doing the walk-in work and they're doing you know the ship out and maybe they're building an engine or a turbo or something like that and that's where the marketing can switch as well so it's it's like you have to think okay well now you're dealing with 50 states in canada and maybe some people in europe or australia is that marketing plan that you had is going to be a little different and i think what you said in the very beginning is so important is who is your customer and what is your product or your service and how does that all factor into it and we see you know kind of on that side is the the marketing and the options can be incredibly expensive, they more can. so than anyone would want to admit or write the check for. It. Oh man, it's you know we did that little campaign here, and it was like a little internet. It was a, a internet advertising, and a um, uh, they had like three billboards in town. They were like you know half size billboards is what they were, and I think originally we ended up talking them down to, to get it done, but originally they wanted like $6,500 to do this. And it, mm-hmm. and the more you really look at advertising, advertising is outrageous. Um, you know, and there's some industries that it's great for, you know, if you're in retail, you're in, in the food industry, things like that, you know, your, your billboards and different advertising like that are probably going to be a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that, that these wouldn't work, but I think you need to get to a certain level before that's something that you entertain. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of options that, that you can do for almost free, you know. Um, and, and like with social media, I mean, everybody has their phone in their hand all the time. If somebody's on Facebook or Instagram or something, you know, and you, you can target those people like everybody like crazy on, on all that. And what's going to happen is with a consumer or truck owner is, you know, they might Google diesel repair in a zip code or a city. And they'll find five places, but they're going to remember that they met you at exactly. this event or this thing. And then it's, yeah, they can call the other places, but they're going to remember you. And that's how you separate yourself. And I, I think as we go through the different parts that make up the diesel community and industry, it's it's like that, whether it's a, you know, a repair shop that does performance or it's a manufacturer that builds everything for everyone and ships and semi-trucks is how do you get the consumer to recognize you remember you and then understand the value of what you're producing and that hands-on approach on any level is what is so i think crucial to getting the right customer and so you can build that customer base that repeat business and you don't price yourself out of business like racing to the bottom you know there's no winning in that (laughs) and you know and and when it comes to marketing like you don't always um I, i guess one of the greatest marketing uh, 
tactics I've ever seen, or and even like you can read tons about it, was the Marlboro Man. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the old picture, he's riding through the snow on a horse. He's got his vest. He's got you know his his coat and his cowboy hat. There's not even a cigarette in the picture. There's there's not even a cigarette in the picture with him. It's just this is who we're targeting. I mean, and that that picture was as direct as it could be, but it was one of the most profitable um, marketing campaigns anybody's ever done. Because it just gives you this feeling, look, if you've got, you know, uh, if you buy our product, you know, you're going to be just as cool as this guy riding a stallion through the Tetons or something, you know. <laughs> and um, and you watch that. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even – there's a lot of really successful businesses that when they market, they don't even market what they offer. You know, there's a lot that you'll see that um, we've got a we've got a friend here that's got a really nice barbecue shop. And we were talking, he's a huge marketing guy. He's, he's studied, studied tons and tons of stuff. And the other day we were talking and he said, I will never market with food, for food, ever. He said, um, he said, I run commercials, I run ads in all the local magazines. We've got four or five local magazines, I think. And um, he said, I do a ton of stuff online, but I'm never going to show you a picture of food. Because I don't want you to look at my food and then compare my food to somebody else's. I want you to look at my restaurant. I want you to look at the people that are eating in my restaurant. I want you to look at the, the, the culture of my restaurant. Don't worry about the food. The food is going to sell itself. I just yeah. need to get you in here. And, um, and that's true. I mean, it's the same thing with us in our, in our business is, you know, another thing that I, I'm noticing is 10 years ago, um, the average diesel customer was going to be a, um, a construction worker. You know, if you ran a construction company, uh, somebody that pulls a horse trailer, someone that works every day. You know, the, the automotive diesel industry then was a work-based industry. Today, we're seeing, um, and we've got, a, we've got a ton of doctor customers here, local lawyers, successful businessmen, um, guys that 10 years ago, they were driving, you know, S-Class Mercedes. Um, they were driving G-Wagons, whatever, things like that. And now they have all the same things all the same amenities in these trucks that what they had in that car, but they can pull, you know, they want to go on a hunting trip. They can take their truck. They want to go to the lake with a boat. They can take their truck. They don't, you know, so it's a, the demographics have really changed for the diesel industry on who we're targeting and what we're targeting. Um, with that also comes the value of customers that we're getting. Um, I think one thing, you know, that you and I talked about the other day was pricing. Um, I think that there's been a few things that, you know, in the industry that kind of tells us what we need to sell parts for. Um, 85% of consumers do not care what it costs to have their truck repaired to an extent. Uh, now, if you're just outrageous, yeah, they're going to say something. But if you're, I, I, I mean, there's been times that I've been, you know, 15, 20% over what a competitor or even a dealer sometimes may be on an invoice here locally, but the customer chooses us to do it because they trust us to do it. Because they know that when it's done, it's done right. If there's a problem, it's taken care of immediately. Most people want value with what they're paying for. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're writing an invoice or an estimate, don't be scared to charge the right amount for you to truly make money on this thing. Um, I know one thing that really helped us, um, about two years ago, we got a complete management program in the office, and it was a we're running a Mitchell manager, um, which with that program, it keeps up. You can build a complete inventory. You have uh, complete control. You have a, you have a, when you open the program, you have a work in progress screen. 
It's going to have every single job that you have right now that's open. It has every single estimate that you've written, and, and then it'll keep estimates as long as you want to in there. And then it's got every job that's completed and ready to be paid on. The good thing about them, we use QuickBooks for a long time, and my wife still uses QuickBooks to keep up with with everything on there. But um, when my when myself or one of the advisors opens an invoice or opens an estimate, he can call, you know, if he's calling, you know, say he calls Meyer or he calls Turn 14 or Thunder or one of those guys, and he calls and he gets a price on an FTTX4. He's going to get the price. He's going to get this, the cost of shipping. He's going to add those two together. Then he's going to put it in the computer. When he puts that number in there, we have a parts matrix that between X number and X number that we pay for it, it marks up, you know, maybe 75%. So if you pay $3 for something, we're going to mark it up 75%, whatever. And then you go to your next tier, maybe $5 to $25, the next percentage. Um, but at the end of these invoices, it gives you a breakdown of you configuring your technician time. What do you pay this technician every hour? If he's going to be on the job um, and this job calls for 10 hours, you know, it figures in the profit percentage you have on labor. What you pay for parts and what you sell these parts for, and then your total gross profit on the job. So it gives you a dollar amount and your percentage amount. Um, and that's something that for a lot of shop owners, we need to get out of working in the business every day. We need to get out of turning wrenches, doing oil changes, putting injectors in. Um, we need to work on the business. If a business doesn't have, have systems to operate, the only thing that's going to happen is one of two things. You are either going to go out of business because you have no systems, or you are going to live your life fully consumed by running your business. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that, that as shop owners that began as technicians have to learn to become business owners. Um, because at the end of the day, you're not as productive as a full-time, you know, there's going to become a point where you're not as productive as a full-time technician. Um, you also don't want to tear jobs down, you know, other technicians have to pick it up, but there needs, I mean, we need to get to where we have an industry standard, I guess, of, you know, look, we need to make some realistic parts profits. I mean, there are some parts in the aftermarket world that um, I've seen several companies that offer, say, a, a second-gen swap, for example. I'm just the first one that comes to mind. But, you know, these are several thousand dollars for the job, for the components, and mat price is um, $198 over what we pay for it. And I've seen some that have been better to, you know, three, dollars $400 over what we pay for it. And that's plastered everywhere on the Internet. Um, don't be scared to sell stuff for more than mat price. You're just not supposed to sell under mat price. You know, we can, you're the one that is standing behind the product as far as labor goes, handling the warranty process if something goes wrong. You know, if you put, if you put that turbo on and the customer makes it 500 miles and this thing grenades, you're going to have to take it back off. You're going to have to box it up. You're going to have to ship it and send it in. That's all on your dime. So you've got to figure in money for this. It's almost like every job we have to build a warranty pool um, so that when jobs do come back, because they're going to come back, parts are going to fail, technicians are going to make mistakes, things like that. And so you have to have – you don't want to bid these jobs um, just bare bones. I can do it for this. I'm going to make some money. Well, when that job comes back and something's broke and you eat up every dollar of your profit in this job because you didn't bill enough on it to warranty the job. Uh, that's a 
it's something I was, I was just thinking about, you know, is I had um, someone I know had ordered, I don't remember what part it was, what kind, something with a turbo. They ordered it off Amazon <clears throat> and swapped it over on their 7.3 and something didn't work. And they'd ask people, hey, how, do you know anyone that can do, you know, tell me how to fix this or fix that? And I'm like, call Amazon. Like, there's no support yeah. because oh, yeah. you didn't you didn't buy it from this shop. And that person's time on the phone is taking away profit from working on something, calling someone, calling someone back, doing those sorts of things. And for the truck owners, which, you know, most of our, our listeners are truck owners, is there there is that like 15% give or take a little bit who they're going to work on their own trucks. They're, they're looking for the best deal. They have experience with it. They're, they're fine. But the other 85%, when you invest thousands of dollars into your vehicle for whatever reason, any kind of, you know, whether it's maintenance or performance is you want to know that you have some support there that if maybe you don't like that turbo, maybe it's too small, maybe it's too big and you want to switch it. Well, you want to take it to a place where you're confident in what they do. You like them. Um, you trust them with your vehicle, and that's where why we're walking into this you know shop to get to get work done. And if you know, like you mentioned, there's there's going to be things that happen, um, whether it's a, a part fails or something else causes a part failure, or they want to change it or or something. And if you're just eating jobs and losing profit on everything, or you know making a hundred dollars on a twenty five hundred dollar part. It's gonna it's gonna manifest itself in other ways. You know what what's that gonna do to the profit margin, your hourly rate, and the money you're making on that? Well, it's got to be. There's no margin for error now because you're making you know three percent on the sale, and you got you got to think about that. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think a lot of it comes to another thing is, you know, I had an issue. Um, we buy a lot of our parts through O'Reilly's. They're they're the closest. Uh, Parts store to us. I know a lot of the guys in the bigger cities are going to have companies like Worldpack and a few others that are that are wholesale only, and that's great. I mean, you know, I wish I wish we were closer to a big city that had something like Worldpack. Um, but with us dealing with O'Reilly's, I went in the other day. My my father-in-law was driving a 2005 six-liter, and it was a Sunday. The alternator went out, so I ran over there and I popped it off and ran up to O'Reilly's and I said, "Hey, I need to get this alternator. Can you swap it out?" And he said, "Uh." He said, all right, it's 138 and some change. And I said, okay. I said, well, hey, I, I forgot. Put it on my account. And here's my number. And he put it on. And it came down to like 136 and some change. And um, so Monday I, I called our, our local manager, the store manager that we deal with here. And he said, well, you know, our market, his exact words to me were, our market is more of a walk-in market more than a, a wholesale market. And, um, and I said, well, I, I get that. I said, but at the same time, I have to make money. And um, and it was kind of a thing for me, which I, I you know we mark our stuff up anyways. And you would you would hope that if you spend a lot of money with a with a retail or a wholesale company that you would get better deals than the guy walking in off the road. But um, don't be scared to mark those parts up because everybody can get a part as cheap or cheaper than you can somewhere. But they when they go to O'Reilly's and they buy that alternator, if I'd have charged a customer two hundred thirty five dollars for it, whatever you know, whatever the case may be, um, O'Reilly's isn't going to come back out and change it for him mm-hmm. at 135. <laughs> they're not going to swap that back out. You know, they're not, you know, if, I know I had one the other day, the customer had a 6.4 that he needs a set of lifters in. And I gave him a quote um, and it was around, he had, he added some other stuff and he needed an oil cooler and 
um, head studs and some other stuff. And anyway, he came out to like $6,800 with the other add-ons. And uh, with the dealer, and the dealer told him $4,800. And he said, you're, you're $2,000 too high. And I said, well, don't forget you added some other stuff. I said, but here's the deal. I said, I might be higher. I said, but if um, if that lifter fails that I put in, is you know, there's no place to ask. I'm going to pull that head back off. And that's not, I mean, if we're paying our technicians to do that, that's not, you know, because I, I generally, I pay my technicians an hourly rate plus, a production incentive. Um, I, I just don't. I don't like flag time. I, I think it's. Um, I think especially for for employees who have families and you know need to to be able to balance balance their money. I think a a guaranteed pay every week plus incentives better than than flag time. But anyways, um, the conversation I had with the customer was, uh, you know, we're going to guarantee this for you. If you come in, that lifter fails in. You know, 1,500 miles, you have one lifter out of 16 that is at the bottom of this engine. We're going to take care of it. There's no questions asked. Also, if you're at home, if you're around here, I'll send a tow truck to pick it up. You don't have to mess with that. You just call me and say, Chris, this thing's knocking. All right, I've got it. Uh, i got a tow truck on the way. They'll be there in a minute. We're going to get it picked up and brought back. I'll one of our technicians take a look at it. We'll have you fixed up. You know, we'll let you know by the end of the day what we're looking at. Um, and I think, you know, with – with building your your estimates and, and charging more and, and more appropriate for what the industry is growing to be, your customer service needs to match. I mean, don't you know, don't charge more and then tell somebody to kick rocks if they have a problem. But um, you know, I think the value, like I said, I think there's a lot of things that play into the value of, of what we can build our companies to be. Um, exactly. There's there's nothing wrong with with making money. You know, I mean, that's it, it's like. There shouldn't be any guilt with it because if, you know, you're, if you're a salaried employee and you work in a completely different industry and you want a new job, you're going to look for a job that pays you what you feel you're worth or what you want to make. You're not going to say, well, you know, I should, I should take a 50% pay cut because, you know, I could probably expand my pool of jobs that I can apply for. No, we're not going to do that. So yeah. as a business owner, don't be afraid to make money. Don't be afraid to be successful. Don't be afraid to say, no, I don't want your business. There's a guy I listen to it, completely different industry, but he'll fire customers. Like sometimes he'll get emails, you know, when he'll, they'll say, Hey, the discount code doesn't work. And he's like, there is no discount. And he'll just fire them. And his motivation or his reasoning for it was not that he doesn't want the money. It's that he knows that customer is going to cause so many headaches and involve so many people in his system that he's like, I'll let my competitor deal with that. I don't, I, think I don't, I know it, exactly. it's not worth it. I think I know exactly who you're talking about because I've had, I've had the same conversation with him. And, and he was the first one that I, I saw that would publicly say, and I remember somebody left him a bad review on his Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm almost certain it's the same person. Um, but uh, he said they left a bad review and it was something stupid. You know, I called yesterday at 345 and I didn't get a call back by the end of the day. And he left this, you know, I, all of us have probably dealt with that. And, Anyways, he got out in a comment and he said, look, you're fired to the customer. I mean, in the comments to, to the review. And he said, look, we do everything we can do to please everybody. But obviously, we can't please you because we've talked to you multiple times. Um, you know, you're fired as a customer. You know, you're going to have to go somewhere else. And I was, yeah. at that time, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I, I know you're big in the industry. And I know, I know you have a lot of clientele. But, Jesus, how do you feel confident doing that? But you have to. You really do. Because 
I've learned that the guys that the guys that will leave a bad review are the ones that will drive you in the ground every single day. The other thing that a lot of people and, and again, there's a lot of things that I'm talking about because I, I learned from my experience. But the people that you feel like you're doing a favor for when you feel guilty about something, those are the people that will run all over you. They'll badmouth you all over town because it didn't get done as fast as they wanted it to. They had issues, even if you corrected them for free, and those issues had nothing to do with you. Um, you know, we had a guy one time that we did a complete head job on a six-liter and um, replaced the old cooler, all kinds of stuff. He drove to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He was headed to a, a race in Valdosta and um, left here, made it to Hattiesburg. It's about six hours, five and a half, six hours to Hattiesburg from here. He called me on a Friday at like 4 o'clock, and um, I called my wife. He said, man, my truck's down. It won't run. I'm stuck in Hattiesburg. My, uh, my coolant tank is got oil in it. It's, the coolant's white. And I said, okay, I said, um, we're, we'll be down there in a little bit, you know, because he had picked it up like three or four days before. And um, he left this big, good review after everything, um, you know, and, and after the initial repair was done. Uh, somebody had borrowed my trailer, so my wife, I had to wait on them to get here. It was pouring down rain. I drove to Shreveport and picked up a friend's truck, um, drove all the way to Hattiesburg, and took the scanner with me and I hooked the scanner up and the high pressure oil pump had died. And there was nothing wrong with the coolant. He was, it was a white bottle, a DS bottle. He was just, didn't know what he was looking at. But anyways, drove it, drove all the way down. I gave him my truck to drive the rest of his trip and um, hauled his back home and come to find out, like I said, the pump was bad. And I charged him to put the pump in and it went from a good review to completely blasting us. I mean, you know, and you know, told everybody you knew about that we we did him wrong on that. And obviously at that point we cut ties, but it was a customer that we put a lot of time into helping him out and really going above and beyond for him. And because it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, it it immediately went negative. And and that goes back to picking your clientele, picking who you deal with. I mean, some of them you're not going to know right off the bat. You're just not going to be able to read somebody um, but when that time comes and you do know, fire them, get rid of them, move on down the road, and put put the energy you're putting into that one customer into ten others that are lined up ready to write a check to you. I think we've had a we've had a lot of really interesting insights in it, and it, this episode has been really cool to chat with you about because it's it, it needs to be talked about across the whole spectrum of. Of, of what we're doing and I think as the industry is definitely evolving and definitely changing on all different sides and the trucks are and the the, the owners and, and new diesel truck owners and just everything that I think it comes back to you know what what we talked about on this episode and the, each individual topic could be an episode by itself oh yeah um, <laughs> and it might be one day but I think we, we gave a lot of people some things to think about not just as a shop owner, but also as a truck owner too, is where you're taking your truck, who's working on it, who's going to get your hard earned money and, and picking, you know, that side as well. So I want to appreciate you for reaching out to us and, and wanting to talk about these ideas and these strategies and these things that you've used to grow and help your business and help someone else out there. That's, 
in the same position and, and making sure that they're around in a year, five years, 10 years, and they've been able to, to make a career out of it and provide for people and offer a place people can, can, you know, be employed and have a career themselves. Yeah. And I, I appreciate getting us on and just, just real quick, the last few things I think that if, you know, if you're going into business, again, set some goals, you know, have an idea of what you're going to do. Even and if you're already in business, set some goals. I mean, set some realistic goals, um, probably a little bit above what you think you can accomplish with a timeline on them. Um, get a management program from day one. Keep up with your entire customer base. Um, that system, I, I could go on for, you know, two hours on what these systems can do. There's a lot of other com- We just went to a, a full tablet system that integrates with our, our manager program. Um, get training. You're a business owner. You need to be, you need training. I mean, whether it's in um, accounting, whether it's in sales, customer retention, getting your car count up, um, look up, you know, one thing I, I encourage is we attended the Vision Expo in Kansas City this year. Uh, next year, we, we're planning on closing the shop, and I'm going to take everybody here to go. Um, they've got, it's four days of tech training, management training, and shop owner training. Um, it is, it was hands down one of the best things for us, you know, that we've done recently. Um, and another thing, I guess kind of another important thing, I'm just going to be real quick on this, is don't feel bad for people that buy cheap trucks. If somebody bought a six liter for $5,000, $4,000, and they swear it's a good deal, but they need $10,000 in repairs, don't feel bad for them. I mean, that was, I know a lot of guys that are uh, doing head gasket jobs, head replacements for these guys, and it's, don't don't lower your value because of somebody else's financial decision. Um, but like you said, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's been really good. I you know look forward to if we get to do it again in the future. Yeah, thanks again, Chris. And uh, yeah, definitely we'll sit back down and you know, as fast as things change and as complex as <laughs> being a business owner is, I'm sure there's a ton of other ton of other topics we go into. <laughs> oh, I bet we could have a good time. We could have a good time. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to alligatorperformance.com. Use discount code podcast five. Get 5% off your order. And also ppi.com. If you're looking for custom tuning for your Cummins, Duramax, or Power Stroke, make sure and head on over there. If you already have one of their products, leave a product re- review and get some in-store credit on something else that you might be purchasing. Till next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>